Our reading is taken from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21, which can be found in the New Testament section of the Pew Bibles on page 1227. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. A uh, very warm welcome again. My name's Adam. I'm the curate here. Uh, before we uh, get going, I just want to double-check that everybody has got a sheet like this. You don't actually need it in your hand at the moment. You don't need it for 15 minutes or so. If you haven't, Andrew is at the back with a big pile of them. And if you wave at him nicely, he will almost certainly let you have one of them. Uh, it looks like we've managed to get one to everyone. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Uh, this is, the, uh, I think, the last time that I'll be speaking to you uh, for a little while. And... Um, uh, I say I think because I made the mistake of saying that when on the last Sunday I was due to preach in my uh, previous church and then in the week that followed the whole of the staff team got a horrible sick bug uh, and so having made a bit of a thing about the fact that I wasn't going to be preaching for a while I then came back the next week and went oh it's me again because uh, there was no, no one else so I say I think but I'm fairly certain uh, Jonathan as we know is back and will be preaching for the next couple of weeks and then Jess my wife is uh, now heavily pregnant uh, with our second child and due in a couple of weeks time and we'll be taking a few weeks to get used to being a family of, of four. 
I actually chose this passage uh, for this morning about three months ago uh, with no idea exactly what it was the Lord would want me to say particularly. In fact, until yesterday evening, I wasn't exactly clear uh, what it was the Lord wanted me to say. Uh, And I'm going to, in a moment, show a clip of this film, Love Actually. But if I were able to go back in time, I would retitle this this morning's talk, Real Love Actually. Uh, Before we watch that, let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your love, your love that goes beyond perhaps comprehension. As we look at this passage this morning, would you speak to us afresh? Would you meet with us and help us to know your presence in this place and in our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so the bit of the film, if you've not seen the film, uh, is the very opening scene. If you have seen the film and you're a bit worried, don't worry, I'm going to stop it before the swearing starts. Uh, and so uh, if we could watch, hopefully, this bit of film together. Thanks, Martin. Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinion starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. If you've seen the film, you'll know that it goes on to explore different ways in which we see love at work in relationships uh, with one another, between uh, husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, sometimes inappropriate uh, love as well. We have a bit of a difficult relationship, I think, with this word, love. Yesterday in the heat, I said to Jess, I'm really loving this ice lolly. I love this ice lolly. Earlier in, the de- in, earlier in the week, I'd said, I love the dog. I have said, in the last 24 hours, you'll be pleased to know, that I love Jess, my wife, and Jacob, my, my child. All have different, perhaps, understandings or meanings behind them. And we see this in the media as well. I was very tempted uh, to try and find a clip from a Channel, Channel 5 programme that's on at the moment, Love Island. Um, but perhaps that's more about lust than it is about love. And I couldn't find a clip that was appropriate enough uh, for this morning anyway. So I decided against it. Some of you may be glad of that. Others may not. The Greeks, in fact, had a similar issue, although they had seven or perhaps even eight words that they translated as the word love. We translate as the word love. We see four of them at work in our New Testament. And the word that we see here, agape, uh, is, is in this text so many times. It's more condensely in this text than it is anywhere else in the New Testament, right from the very beginning. In fact, the word that the NIV translates as friends has its root in agape, it's agaped ones. So essentially that first verse, dear agaped ones, let us agape one another for agape comes from God. Everyone who agapes has been born of God and knows God. Now the word agape in the Greek is rarely used outside of the New Testament and it's an undefeatable love. 
It seeks the highest possible goodwill for the person or persons that it is aimed at. It describes the unconditional love that God has for his world, a love that we see at work in Jesus when he touches those who the rest of society sees as untouchables. I wonder how many times you have heard a sermon on the fact that God loves you or even on this word agape, this agape love. I wonder how many times you've reflected on God's love for us. I heard tale of a preacher, uh, on a, a vicar on a Sunday, who preached a, on this passage from 1 John 4, loving one another and God's love. And at the end of the sermon, everybody was they were leaving said, thank you so much. That was really helpful, really inspiring. Uh, thank you so much. They came back the next week, and the next week he gave the same talk from the same passage. And some people thought, it's a bit odd. It's a good talk. I don't mind hearing it again. That's okay. They came back the third week, and the third week he gave the same talk from the same passage. They were starting to get a bit worried now, wondering perhaps if he was going a bit loopy uh, or if there was something wrong somewhere along the lines. The fourth week came by, the same passage and the same preach again, except he added these words. I can see that a few of you are getting a little bit annoyed and a little bit aggravated, wondering why I'm preaching this again. Well, brothers and sisters, we haven't started to apply it in our lives yet. If that's true for us, and don't worry, I think Jonathan's planning to speak about something else next week. Um, but if that is true for us, why is it true? Especially if Wet 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 or, or Hugh Grant are correct, that love is all around us. It's often been said that the journey from the head to the heart is the longest journey possible. And we're all on that journey of knowing perhaps that God loves us, but perhaps not fully knowing that God loves us. And it's not as if God looked down at the earth, saw a couple of people in love and went, you know what, that looks good. I might have a bit of that myself. I might do that myself. It's the other way around. This passage says, verse 8, God is love. God is by his very nature love. John Stott puts it like this, it cannot be earned, this love. It cannot be deserved. God loves us because that is his very nature. To try and understand this properly will take us perhaps a lifetime. We will be continually moving on that journey from our head to our heart. It's an understanding that we will take a long time over, perhaps like trying to understand the Trinity. And speaking of the Trinity, at the very foundation of all that there is, is a relationship of this agape love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How do we understand this love then, I wonder? I want to tell you two stories, one about Sammy the dog and one about uh, Jacob. Firstly, Sammy. Shortly after getting Sammy, we'd had him a couple of weeks, I was changing some light, um, uh, light shades in our, um, in our lounge uh, and I was making some lunch uh, and I'd taken down one of those paper Ikea lampshades. looks a bit like this. I think we've got a picture of, of one of them, Martin. Uh, oh, there we are. Uh, you've probably seen them or had them in your houses before now. And I was making some lunch and I heard a yelp come from the lounge. And I went into the lounge, and this is what Sammy looked like. There we are. <laughs> Completely tangled and wound up in that lamp fitting that was no more. 
thinking of Jacob, uh, just over a year or so ago now, uh, Jess and I went down to Bill's at the bottom of the parade with my mum and stepfather, uh, and uh, we, we got some uh, hummus and carrot sticks for Jacob because, you know, we're in Leamington Star and when in Rome, uh, Leamington Spa, do as, do as the Romans did. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he was happily munching away on those, and my mum was telling Jess and I this story that was quite interesting, and uh, we got quite engrossed in it, and we turned round, having not looked at Jacob for a few moments, to see him looking like this. There we are. You can see hummus all over his face there. What links these two stories, I wonder? Well, both Jacob and Sammy, in very different ways, let me be clear, but both Jacob and Sammy I love in one way or another. Both of them have got themselves into a mess. Both of them require my help in some way. Now, I didn't turn to either of them and say, you know what, you sort yourself out a bit first and then I will love you. You do something first and I will love you. If I'd done that, it would have been conditional love. It wouldn't be this agape love that we're thinking about here. And of course, we as humans will only ever uh, imitate this or reflect this love in part. Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, bear with me, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I don't think I'm pushing scripture too far to say that Jesus could have easily said, if you then, though you are human, know how to love your children or know how to love your friends, how much more will your Father in heaven love you, his children? God's love is unconditional and it's perhaps beyond our understanding. I wonder how we respond to that love. I don't know if any of you have read the book, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, it's a, it became a film about five or six years ago. In that, one of the teachers giving advice to a student says this, we accept the love we think we deserve. We accept the love we think we deserve. How many of us look at ourselves and think about this unconditional love which God has for us and think that he's getting a bit of a raw deal? It says in verse 12 that God lives in us and his love is made perfect in us. How do we feel about the fact that God lives in us? Do we think God's happy about that? Or do we think that he perhaps feels like he's staying in a bit of a rundown B&B that he'd prefer to not be in? It doesn't matter what we've done or who we are. In fact, we can have confidence of God's agape love for us. What's more, it's not the scabby B&B that God puts up with because he has to. Following the analogy, it's more like a five-star hotel. The Lord delights in living in us. This is his unconditional love. If you happen to be at our evening service about three weeks ago, uh, as part of our response time, one of our members of our congregation uh, led a dance, did a dance as part of our response, uh, as part of Pentecost. One of the people who was here came to speak to me afterwards and said that as he'd watched Ruth and the other girl doing this dance, the Lord really spoke to him and said, this is how I move around you and with you as you go about your day. The Lord delights in you. 
He loves you. You are a five-star hotel, not a run-down B&B. It's a happy thing to be loved by the Lord. And even on days when we feel rubbish, we have his foundation of love. Are we, I wonder, accepting this love as he gives it to us? Totally undeserved, totally unreserved. Or are we simply accepting the love that we think we deserve? I'm going to give us just a moment of silence to just think about that before I move on to the next thing. I wonder if you can think of the best or worst present you've ever received in your life. I wonder if something springs to your mind immediately. I know uh, that for me, the worst present I ever received was a four-piece Postman Pat jigsaw puzzle. Uh, This was the worst present I ever received for two reasons. The first one may well be controversial. I've never really liked Postman Pat. I've always been a Thomas the Tank Engine fan all the way through my childhood. I'm pleased to say that Jacob has followed in my footsteps on this love and desire for Thomas the Tank Engine over Postman Pat. So it wasn't a very good present because I didn't like Postman Pat. It also wasn't a very good present because without irony, my uncle gave it to me for my 14th birthday (laughs) present. Verse 17 in our reading says, this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Much of what John has been saying in the whole of this letter is summed up, perhaps, in this verse. God's love, his agape love, is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. The word complete there has the same root word as Jesus uses on the cross in John 19 when he says, it is finished, it is finished, it is accomplished, it is complete in us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. He goes on to say, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The word fear, phobos, means literally to run away. How many of us, I wonder, are still fearful that we're not good enough to get into heaven when we die? When Christ died on that cross, he took what was rightfully ours and died for us. God's agape love then perhaps is cross-shaped. It is better than any gift that you could ever be given, whether it was a good one or a bad one. I was tempted to show you another clip of a film uh, this morning, uh, but decided not to for time more than anything else. And that was a a clip from the film The Shack. I'm not sure how many of you have seen it or perhaps again read uh, the book. There is a point, uh, for those of you who don't know the story, the main character, Mackenzie, his daughter is abducted at a very young age and he becomes very angry with God. Don't don't try to understand how or why, but essentially God invites him to meet with him in this shack. Uh, And God appears to him through the film in the three persons of the Trinity for various things. There's at one point where Mackenzie, the main character, is trying to argue with God that God doesn't love his children very much. 
Uh, and God uh, suggests to Mackenzie that he takes his own, God's place and becomes judge. And then God says that he, Mackenzie has to choose between his two remaining children, one of whom will go to heaven and the other of whom will go to hell and spend eternity there. And this conversation goes on for a little while and Mackenzie says, it is too hard, I cannot do it, take me instead. Let my children be free, let me go instead. And the character playing God says, that is the father's heart for his children. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. All that we do, all that we are, needs to come out of a bedrock of this love. If our identity is found in anything else, then we may have some success for a while, but ultimately we will likely fail. We have to get our identity sorted. We have to get our identity foundations found in God's love. But this passage doesn't just tell us to, lo- to receive the love that God has for us or talk about the lo- love that God has for us. It also tells us to love one another. And I wouldn't be doing this passage justice if we didn't spend a little time thinking about that as well. One of the things I've loved doing since I became ordained was taking weddings. It's fantastic. I really enjoy it. Uh, And uh, one of the things I've noticed uh, is that as I wait for the bride, which I do on the steps outside, as she arrives in the car, uh, or in fact, as one of the couples did last year, walks from their house along the road, cars will stop and the people will crane their necks in order to see the bride. I've often been worried that there's going to be an accident, in fact, outside because people are slowing down so much to stare and crane their necks to see the bride. It is not uh, the main feature of the day by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a feature of the day that brides turn heads. I wonder if the bride of Christ turns heads. I wonder if the bride of Christ turns heads. Verse 12 in our reading says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The word but there in the Greek as it is in the English um, uh, contrasts the first part of the sentence with the second part of the sentence. Again, not pushing scripture to say John could easily have said, God is invisible, but by loving one another, we can make him visible. God is invisible, but by loving one another, we can make him visible. We can make others turn their heads to see the bride of Christ. It's been said before uh, that the church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of its non-members. I actually uh, have a slightly disagree with that because I've seen some churches that perhaps look like they exist for the benefit of their members rather than their non-members. But that's another topic for another time. If it is true that the church does exist largely for the benefit of its non-members, if we love one another then our love for one another should be a magnet into the world. Our love for one another should draw people from the world in. In a world that, despite what Hugh Grant said at the very beginning, does at times feel like it's filled with more hate and division. 
our love for one another and for God's world will be a magnet to it. Now, I should be absolutely clear, I've said this already, this is not a guilt fest. We don't need to do anything in order for God to love us more. I've already said God's love is unconditional. But John isn't the only one that tells us to love one another. Jesus himself in John's uh, gospel says, A new commandment I give to you to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I've said before um, this before, I think, but when we marry people here in church, people, couples often ask why it is that the couples say, I will rather than I do. That's because I will talks about a future commitment, whereas I do is pinpointed in time. I will says, I will love you despite the things that you may do in the future that annoy me. I do says, I love you today. This commitment is for the bride of Christ to, his, to God's children as well. What this means for us will be very different uh, depending on where we are. And I could spend the next 20 minutes, half an hour or so, uh, going through one of the great passages on this, maybe 1 Corinthians uh, 13, God, love is patient, love is kind, it is not self-seeking, and uh, think about each of those and what loving the world may look like for us. But I suspect each and one of us will have a different thing that we need to work on with this uh, to someone else. Uh, I was going to say I've produced, I've actually stolen, shamelessly, uh, this list of uh, 55 one another and each other sayings that we find in the New Testament. If you could just grab that. What I'd like to do as we come into land, and I've got a couple more things to say before we finish, is um, to just have a moment or two of quiet together to read through this list. I'm going to pray for us before we do. And I'd love for the Holy Spirit, to, for you to be attuned to the Holy Spirit, to ask him to prompt you on the things that you know you need to work on, you need help with at this time. Let me pray for us and we'll do that before I draw us back. Father God, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your calling on us to love into this world. We thank you that you are here with us by your Spirit. We know that this journey from our head to our hearts is a long one, that we are all on. We know that will be evidenced by the love that we show for one another. In this next minute or two of quiet, as we read down these lists of verses of scripture, would you prompt us on the things that we need to work on, the things that we struggle with? Help us to understand why. Ultimately, Lord, would you speak for your servants are listening.
if, as you've read down this list, you got as far as number one, and uh, know that there are people that you're not at peace with. What are you going to do about that in the coming weeks and months? Wherever it was you got to. What are you going to do about those things in the weeks and months? I suspect for many of us there'll be a number here. The question is, are we doing all that we can to make the invisible God visible in the world? But a final health warning, if you will, because it's very easy for us to take this list and to read down it and go, oh gosh, I'm not doing that, I'll do better at doing that. I'll do that, I'll do better at doing that. I'll do that and do better at doing that. Perhaps the question ought to have been, not what are you going to do in order to do this, but why? Why are these things difficult? Why are we not living at peace with somebody? Why is, uh, are we not seeing harmony? Why am I not caring? Why am I not patient? And there could be a whole host of reasons for that. But one of them may well be that we haven't fully understood or fully received God's agape love for us. And so uh, often sermons have three points, all beginning with one letter. I probably just have the one today, which is, are we receiving the love that God has for us? Do we understand it? And how far in the journey from our heads to our hearts are we? It's always dangerous, I think, to finish with something that's not scripture. So I've put scripture on the screen as well because it's helpful. But do we accept the love that we think we deserve, as it said in that book? Or do we accept a love that we can never deserve? Or do we understand that God is love? And that those who live in love live in God and God lives in them? Perhaps maybe as the band come back, we could just leave that slide on the screen for a moment. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to pray for us in a moment. But just before I do, when we were praying before the service, we asked the Lord if there are any particular pictures uh, that uh, he wanted to give this morning. And a few that I'd like to share at this point. Firstly, somebody driving a very old grey car which keeps stalling. Perhaps uh, somebody knows this, but they keep stalling in their walk with it. And then there was a picture of someone having finished uh, the most refreshing pieces of fruit. And the words, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then there was a picture of a garden gate, the garden very overgrown. And the words cut back things in order to enter into God's presence. Are we too busy and too quick to jump to this list of 55 ways in which we can love one another? And not perhaps sitting with those words that God is love. Lastly, it might be that what I've said this morning has spoken to the core of who you are. That may be a good thing, it may feel quite painful. Know the truth that God is love. That we don't need to accept the love we think we deserve, but accept the love that we could never 
deserve. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for that love. Unreserved and undeserved. We thank you that we see it in part in our relationships with one another, but we will not see it in full until that day when your son returns. Help us, Lord, first and foremost, to base our foundation and our identity on who you are and your love for us. As we reflect you, if you are love, may we also be love to our neighbours, to our friends, to this world. And through doing so, would we, your bride, turn heads, be a magnet, and be the light that you've called us to be. God is love. And those who live in love live in God and God lives in them. If any part of that statement this morning is difficult, know that A, you're not alone and B, that it is not any less true no matter how hard it is to hear. In a moment, we're going to sing uh, together two songs, uh, the first of which is quieter. If you would love, like, love, whatever, someone to pray for you this morning, as you perhaps recommit yourself to knowing that love at work in your life, then just as the band begin to play this first quieter song, come to the front, members of our prayer team will just lay a hand on your shoulder and pray a prayer blessing over you. Let's go from this place knowing that we don't have to accept the love we think we deserve. That we can accept God's undeserved love for us.